0: Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin, each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast. And here's David Avrin And welcome to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I am David Averin, and today we're going to talk about communication. And I know it sounds like a very broad subject, but we're going to go from the macro to the micro and one of the the best resources to talk about this is Deborah Fine, the author of The Fine Art of Small Talk. And you know what's interesting in, in not just organizations, but interpersonally as well, of how much has changed and how we communicate and the importance of communication. And many of us will lament, oh, the kids can't talk and all they're doing is tweeting or texting or these are the people who are going to be in business next year and the year after. So how we communicate with them is crucial and doing it effectively is crucial. And as I said, no better person to talk to than Deborah Fine. So Deborah, before we say welcome, um, quick introduction. Uh, you know, she, interesting background. She researched and studied strategies for starting conversations, keeping them going, remembering names and actively listening, exiting with grace in conversations, and generally making a positive impression on those with whom we she has struck up conversations. And the result was the Bestseller for years and years and years. There's very few that can um, not only achieve bestseller status, but have such a staying power. And there's very few in our industry, in our profession, in business who have been able to achieve that. And Deborah has with her book, The Fine Art of Small Talk, which is a book handy for anyone from business executives to PTA parents and students facing post college interviews or singles trying to make love connections. <laughs> but for our purposes, it is for effective communication um, in the workplace with clients, with prospects, and others. So there's a long introduction. Deborah Fine, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, David. It, I, it is an honor, and I feel like not only are, have we been colleagues for 20-plus years. Uh, you started, I think, you were about 12 then, but I was a little- yeah, I
0: must have been. I, and I had a beard at the time. Yes,
1: was, yes. Well, well you, we have a lot of other talents. I hope your audience knows <laughs> what kind of singer you are, and you're, you're a legend here in our the town that we both happen to live in and fly from, which is Denver. And so people like me are lucky enough to know about that part of you too. And and your beautiful children and how well they've done. But um, I I, I do want your audience to know also because the topic sounds, it almost sounds fluff, you know, small talk, what a waste of saliva. I mean, why is David having someone like that? Okay. Maybe they're friends. Is that why he's hosting her on his podcast? No. But, well, I'm just saying, but you know what, I, there's a part of me that you didn't mention that's important, I think, for the audience to know is that I used to be an engineer. So that's what my degrees are in, and that was my profession. And that's where this idea came from is that, first of all, I hated small talk, I thought it was a waste of saliva. A lot of times we hate things that we don't do well. I mean, I right. didn't figure that out at that time, but jogging is a good example in my life of something that I. Hated because I didn't do well, and once I really did learn to pace myself, I mean, I don't love jogging, I don't want to give you the wrong impression, but I certainly can now and keep the weight down and all those other great things. So so I looked at it in an analytical way, like people like yourself, who I think people would say about you, David, who met you, that you're charismatic, that you're born with the gift of gab. So I used to observe people like you when I did my research and think, what is he doing? Exactly. And then I labeled it like an engineer. What is he saying? How is he? starting conversations? How does he keep them going? How does he exit? He, he, what are these people doing? Besides the research from books, what are actual people doing? And so that's, that's where I have come to see that small talk is really an appetizer for any relationship. And I will get to the answer to your question, by the way. But no, you're fine. It's a conversation. It, I mean, small talk is not the negotiation, right? Or the... Um, provision of the service or the presentation or the negotiation, the excuse me, the evalu- job evaluation, but it is the appetizer in order to build that business friendship with people and or build a network. So the answer to your question about, you know, John Nesbitt wrote a book, Megatrends, uh, long before, right, okay, so you, you're familiar with that. I think that was like the 80s maybe, or the I don't know. But nonetheless, he talked about how in a high-tech world, which we weren't then at that time that we were not high-tech, although he might've viewed it that way. Now we're in a high-tech world where we communicate via technology. Um, people long for high touch. And I think he nailed it back then in that that's exactly what's happening. So it's not to negate technology. My guess, David, is you're like me. I let my client know just so that, you know, I was in Columbus, Ohio yesterday, I landed. And I texted her, I don't need to have a phone call. She doesn't need right. to be interrupted, okay? Uh, and then the, the, my books weren't in the room. And, you know, the text is very handy and email is great. You know, you and I set up this whole thing via email. We don't have to talk sure. on or talk face-to-face. But I think people do appreciate face-to-face communication more than ever today. And I, by the way, you and I are both parents. And I wouldn't just knock the younger generation. I would knock our generation. How many restaurants do I go to or meetings? When I see somebody's phone is on the table at the conference table, if you sit on a board with me, If uh, you and I are about to do business and your phone is out now in in defense of men, and I'll just throw this out, men do not carry purses. At least most men, I know. So if you're carrying it in your back pocket and you need to put on the table that I get, but put it down upside down. But otherwise uh, I think we've not only lost the art, but we, it's sort of a crutch now, this device, like we don't have to talk to people and it's so great to pick up the phone to a client or, or, and you, you cited leaders in the beginning. This is, a leader can be super influential if he or she is willing to go face to face, not just for the job evaluation or the project conversation or anything like that, but to go up and talk to people about things that have nothing to do with the project in order to develop that rapport. And you know, another, i am showing my history now, another book, I, I'm forgetting who, Management by Walking Around. Do you sure. Right. right. So that was really one of the inspirations for my business. As a matter of fact, to this day, Lockheed Martin uses me all over the country because they implemented management by walking around. They had a problem, you may recall, where people thought, and your father was a a rocket scientist. And maybe you worked for either Martin Marietta or Lockheed
0: Martin. He worked for for Martin Marietta and became Lockheed
1: Martin. Right. So, great. So, and a tribute to your dad, because that's who built this country, by the way. just Thank you you for that. You're welcome. So, um, uh, they had a little, um, you may remember this, David, a little problem with um, inches versus... um, uh, millimeters or something right Not beca- and, and there was it was terrible and so the, the then CEO Tom Marsh uh, had heard of me and he said you know here's the problem we're supposed to be doing management by walking around but nobody's walking around because they don't know what to say except how's the project or right uh, you know what's new and then somebody would say nothing and then they would be nowhere so we he decided leaders within Lockheed Martin need to implement Communication, leadership skills, and he believed it started with small talk, and that's what started my great um, work with with Lockheed Martin. And so that's an example of how important it is to do face-to-face conversation, so that we really hear each other and listen, et cetera.
0: So, so here's the here's the deal. I mean, no, there are people who will lament technology, whatever. We don't luddites are are gonna, you know, have their own. Um, it's easy to dismiss those who are anti-technology. We're not talking about any right. of that. We're talking about, no. even if we redefine small talk as the having the skill to initiate conversations, right?
1: Right, Isn't that what and keep is? them going, keep and them make going. people feel comfortable.
0: Because, because a lot of people will dismiss as, well, it's the cocktail party. We're not right. doing that anymore. This is about how do we, if we're gonna establish, I mean, you can look on the interpersonal side. If we're gonna establish positive relationships, it begins with that first step, and that first step is in being able to initiate, in a comfortable right. way, an authentic conversation. That's it's exactly right. People like people who like them, all of the above. Right. So I think even the term itself, and you've dealt with this your whole career, of people misinterpreting or being dismissive. But I think we look at it as, as how do you initiate that conversation, whether it's management by walking around, whether it's meeting a new prospect. Everything starts with that initial conversation, doesn't it? It
1: it does. And it keeps going as a matter of fact, I mean, I feel, and look what social media does, by the way, technology. Today, just to be able to cite your father, I I did not Google you before we got on. I feel like we have enough of a relationship and I happen to have good retention about things that I care about that I I knew that off the top of my head. I had no plans to talk about Lockheed Martin. I didn't know what questions you were going to ask. I also remembered your three children. I mean, so that's such a helpful thing to, yeah. to grease the relationship is to know things about people so that you can sort of keep going with cultivating the relationship and then getting down to the interview and having the business conversation. That's why it's important. Right. And,
0: but isn't also part of the, the, the great small talk or initiating conversations, having the strong listening skills. And once again, I'm not trying to be basic. One of the things that I remember, and you and I, we do have a history. I mean we spoke together, we've been in Singapore and but I also know that your son went to Yale. You remember that? Of course I did because we had had that conversation. He's like 50 years old. No. Right. But but that's the whole point is it's not listening as a strategy. It's listening because you really care.
1: That's exactly
0: right. right. So tell take us through that for our listeners and our viewers as well. Um once again this isn't a workshop but but I want to talk as, in terms of a philosophy. People will talk about these these minor things like remember like if you get somebody's business card hold it and gesture with it. I think it's just it's just crap. I mean it may work and may not. What's authentic is really having a conversation, being interested in right. the other person, remembering the things that you talked about. How do you how do you impart that to your clients to your audiences?
1: Well, obviously it has to be genuine, but then you know what's critical I think are two pieces here. One is you know, how do I really get it started so I show I'm genuinely interested and and then obviously listen, as you said. And I think we have fallen into rhetorical conversation. How are you, David? Pretty good. How about you, Deborah? Well, now where are we, David? We haven't moved an inch from that conversation, right? Right. Uh, And so there's a couple strategies that I talk about in order to cultivate rapport with people. And, And a great leader does that. And it doesn't mean you have to be the the director of uh, R&D or product development right now, it means that that's where you strive to be a leader within your own ladder, whatever that may be for you. Uh, you could be in a library and, be, and take care of patrons. I mean, you need to be the leader. And number one is it's up to you to assume the burden of other people's comfort in conversation. And I think no, that-
0: Slow down, say that again, say it slower. You've said it a hundred times. Help me understand what that means.
1: So, to to anybody that's listening who's either an introvert, which I happen to be an introvert, who behaves like an extrovert for interviews and on stage. Sure. And or who is shy, um, and I used to be shy, you can identify with this. The only person's comfort we're concerned with during face-to-face communication is our own. So, um, I would be worried about what I was going to talk to you about. I would be worried if, um, if you think I'm awkward, I would be worried if I'm standing by myself at a cocktail reception and that you everyone in the room knew I had no one to talk to. If I forgot your name, in the, in, you know, 20 years ago, what I would say is, uh, hi, how are you? And I'd keep talking to you and I'd hope for sort of a religious experience. All right, we all do that. hey, buddy, what's but up? But now, right, like, well, women me. don't really get to say that, but assume, yeah, yeah. I, now I assume the burden. And by that, I mean your comfort comes first. hey. You know, I, I know I've run into, I know we've worked together. I'm just your name. I'm having a, a, one of those brain freeze moments. Could you please remind me? That's assuming the burden of making sure you're comfortable with me. Um, I used to sit at a table of eight, David, and hope that the David Averins of the world would be at those tables. Cause then, you know, he would keep the conversation going. He's vivacious, he's outgoing. Now it's up to me. I, I walk into any interaction with two to three things to talk about that have nothing to do with business. I mean, it's in my head, I'm prepared because I'm assuming the burden of making you feel comfortable at that table of eight, even if you're not my guest, even if you're not my-
0: I like that.
1: So, so a couple of ways, to, you know, to sort of get over that initial breaking the ice, if you don't mind, that I, that I happen to like is one that I really like is, if it's someone you know, so you're in a, in a role within an organization, corporation, whatever, and you yep. either see them at a monthly meeting or an annual conference, or um, you're, you're going to your weekly staff meeting, Instead of saying, how's it going? Or how have you been, David? Or how's your summer? or How are the kids? Or how's work? Or how's business?
0: Pretty standard.
1: What I like to say to people is, catch me up, David. What's new with business since the last time I saw you? Or David, bring me up to date about the kids. So I'm not going to, and by the way, I would never say to you, now I've learned earlier in our conversation when your listeners and viewers weren't with us, that, that It's not Sydney. Yeah, it's Sydney. Sydney is the one who went back to Northern Arizona, correct? Right. Right. Okay. But I would never have said to you, (coughs) how's it going for Sydney? Is she going back to the University of Northern Arizona? Because I don't know, I, for some reason, maybe I don't follow you well enough or whatever. I wouldn't, I did not know the answer to that question when this, when we started today. So here's my point. And most people, and most people wouldn't, right? Well, but, well, they wouldn't know, but here's where you have to be careful. There's a lot of extroverted people who they have great memories and retention. And so they say things like, how's it going for Sydney at university? Well, what if Sydney is taking a break? What if Sydney dropped out? I had a child that dropped out of college. I mean, they used to say, how's Sarah's? You know, Did she graduate? Uh, no, and thanks for asking me in front of all these people. Here's a better question. Catch me up on Sarah. So that's, that's why I'm saying. It's number one, it's a good question you run into somebody and you've met them because they work for Wells Fargo. If they don't have a name tag on that says Wells Fargo and we're at a Rockies game, I'm not gonna say to them, hey, how's it going at Wells Fargo? And show off that I remember where they work. I'm gonna say, bring me up to date. What's new with work since the last time I saw you.
0: Here's what I, here's what I like about that, Deborah, is is it also, it lets them choose what they wanna share.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Because I think we've all, been, we've all been in those really awkward conversations. So tell me about so-and-so, oh yeah, they, they died you know, right. last week. Or some horrible, and now your conversation's taken, listen, even for somebody who is clearly extroverted like right. I am, um, what great skills, because I have been in, my, my wife laughs at some of the most horrifically awkward things that I brought up, um, and, because I just spout out, I'm extroverted, right. I have conversations, but that's a great skill of giving them the freedom and the choice for what they All want right. to share and talk about. That is empowering. I like that.
1: And, and if I said to you, how's business? I mean, I think you'd say, everything's going great. Thanks for asking. But if I say, what's new with your business since the last time we spoke, I'm more likely to get a sentence out of you. So, that, so I like to launch conversations that bring me up to date, catch me up on what's new with the project or whatever, and, or the family, like because you don't know. Maybe my husband left me, David. Mean, we haven't discussed my husband yet, and he still is my husband. Coincidentally, but it, you know, it's not cool when acquaintances say to me, "You know, is Steve here?" Well, what if he seriously? What if he left me? Took the money, took the house. I'm like I don't really want to talk about that at a party. Took the kids. Right. They're in their thirties. They're hard to take. And to
0: clarify for our audience, Steve is still around, and Steve is still lost. Yes, off.
1: yes, he is. But thank you. But yep. you, so that's just a better way to start a conversation, and then. The other thing I like to tell people to consider is this. So here's my goal in, a, in to build rapport with people and be an influencer and build networks. My goal is to get to know you better, but I don't want to be too personal because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go over certain boundaries. For instance, if I didn't know you, I would never say to you, are you married? And let's pretend I found out you were married to Laurel and right. You can go, Oh, right. I'm a newlywed, you know, I'm married. It's been the best thing. And I go, so do you have any kids? What kind, of, what kind of question is that? Like, what if you didn't have kids, David?
0: Right. What if we've been suffering with with infer- infertility for, for 20 years? Right.
1: What well, are lots, lots of people don't have kids. Like, it's not right. necessarily a go-to place, but I have a better way to start that kind of conversation if you'd like to hear it. Yeah, go. Okay. What I ask people all the time, and I, I think women in your audience, if this will resonate with them, because sometimes it is harder for a woman with a man that they don't know for them to come across as sincere and genuine without... You can't assume a man follows the Broncos. I mean, that's that's presumptuous. Right. You can't just bring up sports. What if he's not into sports? So how do I get how do I foster that business friendship with you? And the best way I've learned to do it is to say to a man or a woman, "What keeps you busy outside of your work?" Love it. Once again, he has the choice. You'll tell either talk about your kids. Maybe you'll talk about you know, I don't know your travels for fun, your fun travels, or anything like that. You can talk, or what do you do for fun? So that's, that's my way to get to really. Communicate with people in a face-to-face way that's authentic, where I can learn more about them, and that so that's a handy way. Well,
0: and, and here's what I like about it also is is it is um as you, as the book title says, there's an art to this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're you're preoccupied with okay, how am I going to start this conversation. It's just having those those tools in your toolkit, those arrows in your right. paper, that these are some great conversation starters. Now, for somebody that you do know, one of the questions that I get a lot. Um, is so. Where 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 are you off to next?
1: Okay, you know, That's a good a question. Of,
0: I see online because I'm an overshare, and part of this is what I teach in <laughs> visibility and marketing. But it's it is. I mean, people like you share so I, because I teach this. This is all part of it. And if I was talking about visibility and I wasn't visible, then who the hell right. should, who the hell should exactly. listen? Exactly. But the people who who say, "Listen, I follow your stuff. Tell me some crazy place you're off to next." It's a wonderful conversation starter because what it also says is. I know you, I follow you, or I feel connected to you, and I'm gonna lead you with something. And you and I have that same conversation. You've been very sweet in that as well. And we have this crazy background because we're literally on the other side of the world, much earlier in my career, um, you know. And your
1: personal life, let me just uh, say
0: that. Yeah, absolutely different in terms of relationships and everything else, but um, that's also part of catching up. So let's talk about it from a more strategic perspective. Okay, let's take it to another level. So, we say, here's what we do, and here's how we do it. Here's my question for you To what end? So, this will help you if you're able to do this well within your strategic relationships, potentially a new client, a new person you meet in a social setting, sort of within a work environment. Um, besides just being better at this, which just makes us more attractive as people and wanting to engage and developing better relationships. From a business perspective, what does this afford those who have developed these skills?
1: Well, number one, and I'll use your your trademark word, is visibility. It it, it raises our visibility. So if I'm the kind of person I used to be, the engineer I used to be, where the CEO flew in from San Francisco, and I waited for him to come over to me to say hello, and he didn't. Not because he didn't like me. It's just he probably didn't even know me. I was 24 years old. Who cares? Right and he was people were surrounding him because I didn't have the courage to just go over and say, hi, Deborah, fine, don't know if you remember me, but I'm working on the blah, blah, blah project. And that's not even engage him, just become visible. And I think a lot of people, David, um, just in their own little worlds of work, aren't visible because we're either shy or we're unwilling to take the risk to walk. We figure, well, if you're interested in us, you will come up to us, but that's not what visibility works. You wanna be a leader, you have to be visible. Another example, so I won't give another example right now. So visibility would be key. And that's also even in a volunteer organization, but also within any corporation or organization you want to be visible. So um, you can't be a rainmaker if you're an attorney unless you're visible, because you could be the best attorney out there, David. But if if you're not sort of somebody that tries to stay connected with me or meets me, I'm going to pick a different attorney. Um, My husband has a great example. You know, my husband's a periodontist, and he will tell you, so he's a specialist in in, um, in the mouth. Right. He says some of the best dentists have the smallest practices. He really believes this, with all, and he's a dork. And some of the worst dentists, the worst work he sees in our mouths is from the biggest practices. And here's the reason. People go into a dentist and they, oh, Deborah, how are you doing? Oh, great to see us. How are the kids? So we like that guy. We like that gal. But we don't know they're doing rotten work in our mouth. We pick... So the biggest practices are the likable dentists, not the best right. dentists, because you and I don't know if we're in a, Steve knows, but we don't know. So, right. You know, it, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's the same in real estate, et cetera. But to, to answer your question again, so to raise my visibility would be one result that I would want. Another result is to be able to solve problems. So what I mean by that is recruit candidates, um, gain referrals, uh, sell more product there's so many results you get when you put yourself out there and and even networking here's a good example you know one of my favorite quotes is a desk is a dangerous place to view the world Jean le carré the author right and a desk now to me is also a device by the way so so you go i'm so busy i can't go to that association event or the bankers industry estate planners whatever really you're too busy to go face to face or is it that you just don't like to do that so that's another result of being really good in conversation and networking skills is being willing to put yourself out there, meet new people, not hang out with your colleague. Just, you know, what I say also is for people like me who aren't who weren't good at it is turn it into a task. You know, people like you don't need to turn it into a task. You'll just work a room because it comes naturally to you. This is what I tell people who it doesn't come naturally to, and and you're in the minority, by the way, David. You are. I right. I do.
0: I do, rec- I do recognize okay. that.
1: I'm, I the think guy, I'm
0: the guy who likes to be at the mall at Christmas time. I'm like, I get my energy from crowds. I right. like, I don't like lines, but I love lots of people. I love, around, but I know everybody isn't. And my wife I'm curious, is, is your wife. She seems like an introvert to me. Oh, she's very much the introvert. Yes, so you're a good pair. She's A Very socially comfortable introvert. You are the people who go right. back and you need to recharge by being by yourself. I'm I recharge, like, her. I recharge by going to, you know, a stadium full of people. So, right.
1: And you know, I'm a lot like Laurel. I mean, she's a lot, she's like gorgeous, but I'm a lot like her in, in that person. I have the same personality actually. Yeah.
0: But, but let me ask you, and I know you were talking about, it. Let, me, let me stop for a second. But how do you, for those who aren't naturally inclined, doesn't mean that they're nice, not nice people. They got great friends, right. but in unfamiliar social situations, how do they turn off that voice that says, Oh God, I want to say something, I going to say something stupid. And people are like, and I look really stupid. And when I love that line, I don't know who said it, something along the lines of people wouldn't care so much about what people thought of them if they realized how seldom people thought of them. Exactly. I like, don't know who said that, but that's don't care. People I mean. don't care. Like they don't care what, what you look like. They care. What, they don't even notice. They care what they look like. Right. Right. People would be stunned at how little people actually think of them. They would Absolutely.
1: And most of your audience probably thinks about going to one of those gruesome, like, um, uh, um, events that they're, uh, that they have to go to and they're standing there. And they think everybody knows they have no one to talk to, but Unless you're hot, you have to be like celebrity hot. I'm talking hot. Nobody knows you're in the room, so get off it. And as I was saying earlier, the key to success for people that it doesn't come naturally to is I turn it into a task. I tell myself, I'll meet three new people tonight at this event, or one, or five, or, you know, I get to pick the number. And it's the same thing as all the, all the other tasks. You write books, David. I'm sure you turn it into a task. I have to write Word, three words. Task. It's I the have only way a deadline. Place. Yeah, that's how it gets done. Is you have a task. I mean, our laundry. You look pretty spiffy today, as usual. I feel like I look pretty good. Well, it's because it's a task and it gets done. However, it gets done, it gets done. So turn it into a task. So I tell myself, you'll you'll meet three new people tonight. You can't hang with David Avram. You see him over there. You'd like to because you know then it's easy.
0: It's There's easy because somebody you know
1: besides David Avram. And then when I'm done meeting those three new people, guess what I get to do? I can go talk to you, I can start drinking, I like to drink, I can leave early. You reward
0: yourself for having completed the task.
1: But, okay, so the next thing is walk in prepared. To anything, even if you're my boss, David, and I work for an organization and I'm gonna go in for a meeting with you. And maybe we're gonna walk down a long, long hall together. We're gonna sit at the meeting and wait for your vice president whatever to get there too. I need to be prepared with things to talk about besides the project at hand, because we're gonna get to that and it's gonna be redundant. So, be prepared with things to talk about. Yesterday, I, I was booked in Columbus, Ohio. I know more about Ohio State. I mean, I'm trying to forget it right now because I'm back in Denver. Do you understand? Right. The much about Ohio, Ohio State. State. I know that they picked the quarterback. I know that somebody named Ezekiel Elliott, I can't believe I'm still remembering this today, who played for Ohio State, I guess, plays for the Cowboys, and Jerry yep. Jones upset with them. I mean, I could just go on. I also know about a lot of other things about the scooter situation, you know, these e-scooters. It's a great yep. conversation starter. I why? Because I walked into the, the lunch and before I spoke and I sat at a table bait with people I never met. and I had things to talk about. So always be prepared. Here's another tip. Okay. This is a typical conversation. I say to you, so David, if you'll play along with me for a second, sure. how we do, David, how have you been? Good. How, good. Are, the kids? Good. how are the kids?
0: Everybody's, everybody's great. Everybody's great. How and, are
1: and, and oh, thank you. Mine are great. And, and how's work? How's business?
0: You know what? Busy. Busy. Um, okay. travel- I,
1: I hope everybody heard this. This is an extrovert interacting with someone that he's known for a long time because you know what David Avrin did? What we all do. Now, I'm not going to pin this on you, David, because I know it doesn't fit you, but I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll pin it on me. I give one word answers busy. Good. How about you? Right. Because I'm lazy. I'm a lazy conversationalist. unless I'm focused and investing in. Now, I put you on the spot there, so, okay, everybody. Well, listen,
0: and you know, and I, part of us playing along for this, but right. because we exactly. know each other, we would have gone into much deeper stuff, but this is the conversation that most of us have with people that we are acquainted with.
1: A customer, David.
0: A seen client. Yeah.
1: They walk into your store. Let's say you own a store, right? You, 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 that's who you serve, people who take care of customers, clients, patients, sure. right? Everything, Okay. So I walk into their store and they say, how's your summer going? I say, pretty good. How about yours? And that's the extent of building rapport with the customer. Pitiful. Time. Now, if you don't have time, I get it. Right. But how about, um, number one, when I say, when somebody says to me and I have time, if you have the courtesy and kindness to say to me, how's your summer going? I'm going (laughs) to give a sentence in response. I'll say, great. You know, I went on a cycling trip to France this year. It was really fun. I stopped there. I'm not even sure you're really interested in my summer because all you said was, how was your summer? You know, people say, how are you? How's your summer? How's the project? And all they mean is, hello. So. Well,
0: because we could, but haven't we been socialized to not because the obnoxious answers like so how are you doing? Oh, you know what? I have I got myth this, 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 oh, I hung and I got you know this and oh God, you know what's been really crazy because the older we get, then everybody starts talking about their physical ailments. It's like I was just trying to say hi. I didn't really mean how are you. But right. how do we get over that? I mean, talk to me in strategy because we have been socialized to give meaningless questions and and brief responses.
1: Right. How we, how That's we, exactly right. right. And so I say, when you have the time and the interest in connecting with somebody, help them out. So if somebody says to me, how are you doing, Deborah?" Or how have you been? It's a client on the telephone. It's, uh, it's someone that I'm at a board meeting with, whatever. If I have the time, I'll, I'll just give them a real answer in a sentence. Not You know, the storytelling thing is happening now all around us, David, and I'm not sure that I'm a fan because I don't want to hear the whole story, okay? <laughs> Don't hold me hostage and tell me your story for five minutes. I didn't ask for the story. I'm saying give a sentence. So if you said to me, Deborah, how's business? I'd say, well, I was in Columbus, Ohio yesterday, and it went great. I don't need to tell you the client. Now, if you ask and show an interest, that's great. So I say to people.
0: because I So the recipient would give the clue as to whether or not we're exactly. going to extend the conversation.
1: But if, if I want, I may not even want to, but just give me a factoid in case I would like to. Because if you've given me nothing, if I go, how are you, or how are the kids? Say, I took Sydney to, you know, her junior year, I think. Say that. Oh, or I took my daughter to, now I know you have a daughter, even if I don't ask you about it. You know what happens when I find out you have a daughter, David? You become three-dimensional. Do you know people like to do business with people that are three-dimensional? What if I don't have kids? What if we have nothing in common? What if I don't care about Sydney at all? But when you said... How, how's it going? Good. I took my uh, daughter who's a junior in college back to school this week. So it's been pretty hectic. And you stop there. You don't talk about her GPA. You don't mention what she's studying. You don't right. tell how beautiful she is. Right. You
0: don't, you don't get boastful. You right. Don't you just give
1: a sentence. Now what you've done is you've planted a seed. Oh, there's more to David Averin than professional speaker, bestselling author. He's a human being. Human beings have kids that they take to college. It's the same thing if somebody said, Uh, Just, you know, how's it going? They said, well, great. I got in, you know, a round of golf over the weekend. So that's always, you know, good for me. Now I know they golf. I don't golf, but at least I know they're a human being. So play the conversation game. How's the project? Good. You know, we're a little worried. We're too down right now. and We can't seem to find candidates to fill those spots. That's a good answer. How are you going to find them? I have something to talk with you about. But if I just say, how's the project? You say, pretty good. We're nowhere. We haven't moved an inch in cultivating a connection and building influence, gaining visibility with people and building a network. You know, these people that don't do that, by the way, that are unwilling to put themselves out there and sort of against what our personality is, then when we call somebody and say, you know, David, who do you know that might be able to help me with this? David doesn't even remember who I am because I didn't even walk up to David to say hello at the last meeting. I didn't even genuinely ask him, what's new in your world, David, since the last time I saw you? So now I'm gonna call you and ask you for the sale, the help, the contract.
0: Right when you're when you're passive in this, in this dynamic, you are you are literally restricting your network.
1: Exactly, you're not expanding it. Right? Yeah,
0: consciously you're restricting it.
1: I mean, so, how does everybody feel that's listening? And David, I'll ask you. Yeah. You get LinkedIn invitations, and you have no idea who they are.
0: No, they're horrible. LinkedIn, LinkedIn has been destroyed. Um, you know, originally it was meet the people you want to meet through the people, you know, introduction. Um, and I used to say face LinkedIn is not Facebook for business people. It kind of is. It's become, I think in my mind, a great platform for posting content, but in terms of interpersonal, 99% of the requests I get to connect every day, seven to 10 a day, 99% of them pitch me their business as soon as I accept it. Right. And so I, they've learned, they've, They've trained us to be to dismiss them. It's,
1: it's but not only that. Okay, that's bad. You're right. They're at there. It's a transactional for them. But here's right. the thing: if you're going to issue me an invitation, and unless we really had this connected conversation, how about you say it was great to meet you at?
0: Reference something.
1: With you because write a message. Like, that's small me, talk.
0: Buy me dinner before you try and get right. in my pants. Sorry, <laughs> I said I don't mean to be crude, but that's what it feels like. It's like oh, we just met. Hey, buy from me. Right. It's contrary to everything we know about building authentic relations. Well, it brings me to this. So, okay. the timeless aspect, Deborah, is being able to be bold enough to have, to initiate conversations, right. authentic conversations that make a connection without going down the road. Now let's talk about the timely aspect. Okay. What do you think about, about, because so much of us are out there on social media and other, what do you, what do you think about referencing something that you saw or read or a post As an entree to a conversation. Here I saw so and so because we do tend to know more about each other. We our kids who would go like to a camp or leadership thing once a year, they would see each other in the summer, go, Oh my God, what have you been doing? You look great. Oh my god. Today they know everything because they keep in touch. What do you think about about referencing social media as an entree to a conversation?
1: I think it's great. I do it all the time. The only time You need to be cautious, in my opinion, is if they're not visible on social media and you've stalked them, you Google stalked them, you found out that they have a dog and maybe a daughter because you Googled and Googled and Googled.
0: Then it gets creepy.
1: It's very uncomfortable. If I met a, someone that I was meeting, they're a client for the first time and they said to me, oh, I see you have, if, if we're not connected, you know, it, it would make me feel like it's not authentic if they had learned all that information before they ever met me. Does that make sense right. to
0: you? Well, but, but here's, let me, let me challenge you, <clears throat> because everybody looks up everybody now. And right. it's part of what we do, and we see that. I mean, I, I ask audiences, I said, do you, before you make a final hiring decision, do you search that person online, social media? 100% of the hands go up do they? Right? Because, because they have to. I mean, they got to make sure they're making a good decision. You think somebody presents themselves one way, you look at their social media and they're, they're smoking weed, they're doing whatever. Um, it gives them insight. So right. they, they look them up. How do you balance that without even a social situation without looking creepy? Right? Because before you meet somebody, people will look them up. We want to know what they look right. like so that they right. can have connection. That's what's different today than it was five years ago.
1: It is different, and I, I don't know. I, I try to be really respectful of those kinds of boundaries until someone has sort of given me their permission to uh-huh. look you up and know things, but I won't let you know that. I know that's something-
0: Then maybe that's the answer, because I think people will. I think you can't ask people not to. <clears throat> but once again, as we're talking about authentic relationships, there, there is a discovery process. But, but
1: I would rather meet you and have someone say to me, tell me about your family right and say, oh i saw on facebook that you have this this and this because then i don't i feel like you've we've jumped ahead way too far for me and i would prefer you say and that's the way i like to say it to people is tell me about your. we all have families they're all different kinds tell me about your family and then learn from there and then you know connect socially right. and and because if i'm not connected with you on facebook then you know i've google stalked you and i don't know it makes me uncomfortable it makes me
0: well, let's, let's take this to a different place and maybe let's talk okay. about uncomfortable for a sec for a second. Um, and it's, and it's an uncomfortable subject and people look at it different ways, but sort of in this era of me too, right. and All of that as well. Talk to me a little bit about caution. How yeah. do we, and, and I've heard ridiculous assertions from men. I mean, really ridiculous. Well, I can't have meetings with women anymore because I'm going to get accused of something else. And I'm like, it 's beyond ridiculous, and I think women um, conversely are being excluded from certain situations yeah. men who are being unreasonable. If you were going to talk to women about right. initiating these conversations within the realm of, of how do we initiate conversations without something misinterpreted how do we in- initiate conversation without crossing boundaries and then speak briefly to men about r- recognizing what what hasn 't changed and maybe well, what
1: David, I think what you bring up, and it's so great that a man would bring it up, I just want to tell you, because this is a conversation I've had with many women, and I don't recall the last time, except with my own husband, because we have daughters, um, that that a man has said, you know, about them. maybe it's because you have daughters, and you're as concerned as I am that they have leaders in their life and all that, Um, and and I just want to cite an anecdote, um, a recent anecdote a woman came to me in my Rotary Club. You know, I'm a Rotarian and I'm a past president and there's 120 people there. And she came to me and she said, talk about awkward, Deborah. I approached a man, you know, she cited within the Rotary Club and I said, you know, let's, I'd like to get to know you better have a cup of coffee, you know, and learn more about you. And he said, I'm married. And, you know, it was like, if a man had said that to him, I'd like to get to know you better and have a cup of coffee because that's what Rotarians are supposed to do. It's about...
0: Absolutely, color.
1: absolutely. He never would have said to you, I'm married. Why would he tell you he's married? Right. I mean, even if if you're gay, which you're not, but I mean, he still wouldn't have said it to you. So, you know, that's that's very off-putting, actually, and it's it's a struggle. It's, it's actually one of the reasons why I use what keeps you busy outside of work is because men don't feel threatened by it. Uh, they don't feel like you're being too personal, and then they like to talk about themselves. So that works out great.
0: So, but what would you say to women who might worry that their overture is misinterpreted. And God knows for millennia, everybody's men are horrible at reading. I mean, a woman says hi and like, oh, she wants me. Come on. Get over
1: yourself. (laughs) Well, not all men think that. I I do want to say, you know, I think you, I mean, my husband, I I think a lot of people don't feel that way, but I do think it's that men are being super cautious right now because they don't want to be put in a position where they're alone with a woman for a, a, a meal, um, I don't know if golfing would be up there or anything else because they feel like they could, would be threatened by me, too. And I'll tell you that my husband would never go into um, on a Saturday without me sitting out in the office for exactly that reason now. So it's, it's really too bad. Um, but I would say that people need to ask for what they want. And for me to pretend you were in a position of leadership at an organization, I worked there. So, I would, so you, demonst- demonstrate that. I would say, uh, well, I would hope I wouldn't have to call you Mr. Avern, so I'll go stick with David now. That's fine. Either way no i know i really would like to learn more about how to climb up the ladder here at american express uh would it be possible that you'd be willing to have lunch with me in the next couple weeks uh could i email you and set up a time would that work for you so i'm at i'm telling you what i'm asking for i'm asking for help climbing up the ladder now i have a son that works for american express who just asked that very question and he got a positive response why would it be any different for a woman his age to ask a leader to and you know by the way and i'm sure you, you probably teach things like this but I asked for something specific. I didn't say, "Would you help me?" Because what does that mean? Right. That's just a broad brush. I
0: love the line. It's specific. I would like the, to the, have the lunch with you.
1: Yes. I would like to meet with you for half an hour at, at your call, at coffee, at your desk, whatever works for you. In the next couple of weeks, would that be okay? Issuing the invitation is absolutely critical to getting what you want, whether it's about the Me Too movement or anything else. You know, if I met you or anybody else at a networking event. If I have an interest in continuing that conversation, this is what I say to you. I always issue the invitation. David, I'd like to, you know, for us to connect, maybe learn more about your business. Would it be okay with you if I reached out to you within the next month to determine if there's a good time for you? Because what I'm not going to do is say, oh, great to meet you. Nice to see you, da 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 da, da, and then call you in a month when I didn't issue the invitation. Don't you when you meet a realtor, insurance, whatever, and then they call you a month later. Do you remember I met him and I thought, you didn't issue an invitation to me? Because if you had, I would have told you I have an insurance person. I have a realtor. And now right. you're wasting both of our time and you were going to make me feel bad. Don't do that. And face-to-face, issue the invitation. So but I would in the but, Me Too Women. There's women. clarification
0: in that, right? There's clarification. There in, is. As to, I want to know more about you. Would you like to have lunch? You can see how that might be misinterpreted.
1: But you're saying why? I would like help in learning how to climb the ladder here at American Express. So I could see, see, I mean, not that Sierra needs any help, but my daughter's doing the same thing. I would like to learn more, because if we hold ourselves back, women, because we are worried that men are thinking we're coming on to them or anything else, we're gonna, we'll never break out here. We will, you know, I could say to some, I've said to people at Rotary, we need more women on here. You know, what can I do to make this different? How can we cultivate this? You know, I wanna see, I wanna be on this board. Say what you want, but when we're vague, because we're because sometimes not just women but men, but I'll talk about women, are afraid to ask for what we want, so we come across as submissive. So we ask these, we're so afraid we're going to get a no that we say, is would it be okay if you help me more with you know learning how to be a project? But
0: it's okay if you're too busy.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Right, that's the same. We're
1: saying I'm sorry. Oh yeah. That's another part that I talk about in my book, assertive language. And it's not just meant for women, by the way, but of course, women and being one, I can tell you that we constantly say, I'm sorry, we say things like this, David, I'll, I'll try to have that done by tomorrow. Why, why would I say I'll try? Why don't I say, David, I'll guarantee it'll be done by Friday. If I can get it done sooner, I will. So I'm telling
0: you. You have time for this, but, but, try. Try. but I understand if you don't. And like, stop giving me an out. I try and teach my daughters as well that assertiveness. But I will tell you, I've been in one of those embarrassing situations. And I was, oh, I feel like an idiot. So I get done with a, uh, a presentation. And you and I both know that we'll get people gathered around. And they're very right. complimentary. And they want to talk or they have a question or they want to give a card. And I got done with the presentation. And a young woman came up. And she's like, that was unbelievable. Like, you are so um, funny. And if everything else. Right. Um, can I get your number? And I, I said, "I am. I am really flattered. Thank you." But I am. And she goes, "Oh no, 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 no! I have a gig, or whatever." And I felt like an absolute. Why did you do idiot, that? I'm curious. Idiot. Was um,
1: this? I mean, why would you think? See, I'm just curious. I would...
0: she was complimenting me on this. Is this is? I can't believe I'm relating this on the on the. I'm podcast. glad
1: you are. She was. She she
0: said nothing about work or anything. So once again, right. a clarity of language. So she said, and this was probably a year and a half ago. and She just complimented me personally. You were so funny. You're right. so like I just like it was so great. Can I have your number? Well, normally they would say, do you have a business card? Do you have right. a It's a woman asked me for, and so I'm of course because I'm a very loyal, a good man, and I find ways to sort of. And I'm like, thank you. I'm very flattered, but I, I but I'm married and whatever. And then she looks she goes like, oh no, I'm i like I have a gig, whatever. And and I said, I said. I am really embarrassed. I said, What an idiot. And she goes, No, no, no. I mean, I just, I were like, but that's why, once again.
1: The man, I bet you wouldn't have responded that way, right? If it had been well, no.
0: I mean, it depends said, on how, how flamboyant the, the individual was, but uh. no, but but that's what I'm saying is nothing business was discussed uh, discussed right. at the time. So what I'm talking about is is a a remedy for that, as you talked about, is clarity. Like you were you were so funny. There is I, I've got a president. I've got a, a an association I'm a member of, and I think you would be a really good fit. Um, right. Can I get your number? Well, I wish
1: she had been more quick. I wish she, had. she was nervous. I mean, I'm the
0: idiot. I'm the she idiot. He was
1: probably nervous, David, because when somebody's on stage, especially someone like they're
0: bigger. they're bigger than life. I get that.
1: Exactly. And I'm guessing she was nervous. I'm gonna tell you, as recently as this year, and you you can see me and what I look like, right? Yeah. And, um, so I'm not hot. And this is what oh, I, this past year, at the end of a presentation, in wealth management by all their clients, it was in Charlotte, whatever, and um they were drinking, and, and so he started struck up a conversation with me and Something in me told me he was flirting with me. I mean, he was my age or older. He, I felt like I was being flirted with, but I I can't call, it's like, I can't call you on flirting with me, I'm not sure. So this is what I said, he said, blah, blah, blah. My husband would think that was funny, blah, 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 blah. So right. He, you did you know what he said to me? Mm. He was nasty. He said, why did you just mention you have a husband? Did you think I was flirting with you? Well, yeah. The woman only has two options. She can say, yes, I did. And then what do you think he's going to say? Why would I flirt with you? You're ugly, you're fat, whatever. Right.
0: That's right. He was trying to get off. He said what,
1: ex- you know, he, I said, no, I didn't think you were flirting with me. I just, he said, you know, I don't like the way you just weave that. In. And I thought, well, that's your problem, buddy. But here's the point. Is there something with situations are no win. This is what's great about how you handled it. You apologized. You took accountability. You didn't just quickly yourself, self-talk. You told yeah you know i blew it man you know i made a mistake i'm sorry that
0: i did i'm just i'm embarrassed and i, just, and, I and i kind of laughed she's like oh no 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 i said i i apologize. but i think she realized i think she probably was listen i don't want to talk more about me oh, but we know not? that we so, we know that these kinds of social situations in the office at a conference they happen all the time and so right. they people do have to balance sort of the effective that when you talk about the fine art of small talk, which I think is, I think that's the key word is the art. There's an art to this right. of being prepared, of, of recognizing, helping that, making the other person feel comfortable. So you're having legitimate right. conversations with clarity. I think that right. I think they're, they're great tools for everyone.
1: And then you ask for what you want because that is a big part of the programs I offer to you know certain segment Issue the invitation. You know, I'd like to I'd like to tell you more about my insurance program. You know, I think your company would benefit from it. Would it be okay if I reached out to you? And then you get to say, you know, I'd rather you didn't. This is a really busy time of year. Yeah, we're done.
0: Right. right. But I, I if you must, don't ask I for tell business, you more about this, can I buy you a cup of coffee?
1: Right. If you don't ask for people's business, you're not going to get it either. And I think, David, you and I know that better than anybody. You cannot hope the phone will ring or that, you know, emails will come through. You have to ask for what you want.
0: Absolutely. Hey, listen, I could talk forever. And the good news is because we are friends, we can talk whenever we want. But for the purposes of this, if people want to get a hold hold of you, bring you in for a presentation, uh, learn more about your books and and your consulting and the consulting work that you do, the training that you do, the speaking you do, how do they get in touch with you?
1: The the best way is either via my website at debrafine.com D E B R A F I N E dot com. And you can hit contact Deborah or, you know, David Averns, you know. I couldn't agree with him more on this topic. I did not do the research in advance, but it's it's just sticks in my craw. The people that have to fill out forms to, you know, to reach I just oh. that, So just
0: no contact forms.
1: My homepage, it has my phone number. I'm not going to recite it now. It's not necessary. It has my phone number, my business phone number, of course. And it has my email, deborah at deborahfine.com. So either click on one or the other, phone me. You know, I like phone calls. When somebody emails me about a piece of business, I call them. How about you, David?
0: Uh, absolutely. If I could have a cranial well, implant where people could directly access my cerebral cortex, right. I would. I am that.
1: I'm, I'm really glad to be on here. I'm honored that you asked. And I wish you safe travels. I hope I see you in... Vegas for a minute at our mutual. You
0: will. We're going to be in a month. Of course, these podcasts live on. For those right. of you listening, all oh, right. Yeah, for those of you listening, great skills, um, great uh, opportunity to talk to Deborah Fine. Think about your communication. Be strategic. Don't be dismissive right. of what this means. Really important. Hey, um, the very visible business podcast is sponsored by the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. <clears throat> your next million dollar idea will likely come from your only own team, but only if you create the space for challenging, powerful, internal conversations with your team. You can learn how membership in the Customer Experience Advantage can give you the content and the questions and the tools to facilitate a weekly morning huddle with your team. You can learn more and you can watch sample videos by visiting thecxadvantage.com. Be sure to click to like this podcast. Hit the subscribe button no matter where you're listening on Stitcher, and Megaphone, and Spotify, and Apple iTunes, and of course, C-Suite Radio. The video version is on my website and also on YouTube as well. Um, And be sure to pick up a copy of my brand new book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, right after you pick up a copy of The Fine Art of Small Talk. There you go. In its 47th printing. How many times has this thing gone back? This
1: this came out in 19... Do I dare I say uh, 19 no, 2002.
0: And it's still a big bestseller for yes. almost 20 years in. And then pick up my book, Why Customers yes. Leave. And Forbes just listed this as one of the seven business books that entrepreneurs need to read. It's on Kindle. It's on audiobook with my voice and everything else. Check right. out some of the other podcasts that you see from others as well. And um, we appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, David. Thank you. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at TheVeryVisibleBusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at VisibilityInternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing, at Amazon.com. This has been The Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin.